Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online Resurrection Passover service. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I believe that the Word of the Lord will minister to your spirit and will bring a fresh word from heaven that you need to hear today. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16. And let's drop down to verse 16. I want to read a verse to you concerning Passover, which we are celebrating today. Praise God. Verse 16, it says three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also known as the Feast of Passover. That's what we're celebrating. And at the Feast of Weeks, that would be what we know as Pentecost, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Now, we know that all of the feasts are word pictures of Christ. They are symbols, in a sense, that represent the Messiah. And we know that Jesus has come. He is the Savior of the world. And whenever we keep the spirit of the feast, we see, we see pictures of Jesus that help us to understand Him better. And it says, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So what we have been doing is we have been preparing for Passover and for Resurrection Sunday, because the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, concerning the ministry project that we've been focusing on, he said, finish the fence. And we have been receiving offerings towards that. And I'm getting ready in just a moment to pray over your Passover offering that you have sowed. Now, if you have not yet sowed that seed, bring it into the storehouse of God immediately, because I'm getting ready to pray. And I want you to receive the blessing that God is going to release and impart upon the seeds that are sown. Praise God. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And as we are bringing in the Passover offering, also as we're also honoring the Lord with our tithes, I want you to notice something amazing in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now this is, this is quite remarkable. Look, listen to verse 14. And having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Well, let me bring out more fully what is being said here from the original Greek that the New Testament was written in. I want to read verse 14 to you from a couple different translations. Uh, and it's referring to what Jesus did for us at Calvary. It says, He canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now this is Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. I just read that to you from the English Standard Version. Here's the Berean Study Bible. He canceled the debt ascribed to us in the decrees that stood against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. New American Standard Bible, which is considered to be the most literal translation, interpretation of the New Testament Greek, it says, uh, referring to Jesus, He blotted out 
the handwriting in the, excuse me, that was a different one. Here it is, New American Standard Bible. He canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. How many of you know that debt is hostile to you? Any kind of debt. The debt of having broken the commandments of God, or in, in a sense, any type of debt is something that you don't want in your life. Why? Debt is hostile against you. And it says, He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Praise the Lord. Christian Standard Bible. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Woo, praise God. Holman Christian Standard Bible, which I like a whole lot. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. One translation, the uh, NET Bible, says that He destroyed it. He destroyed that certificate of debt. Woo! Praise God. He has destroyed what was against us, a certificate of indebtedness expressed in decrees opposed to us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. God's Word translation, He did this by erasing the charges that were brought against us. Wow! New American Standard 1977 version, having canceled out the certificate of debt. Wow! Praise the Lord. My friends, I want you to understand that when Jesus went to Calvary and laid His life down, of course, and this happened during the Passover week, and uh, it was this Sunday morning that He came out of the tomb, whoo, resurrected from the dead. You're talking about power. Mm-mm. Well, you have to understand that every ordinance that we broke, and we broke a lot of them, not just a few, we broke all kinds of them, all of those things were against us. But Jesus took all of those debts, the entire indebtedness of all the laws that we broke, and He nailed it to the cross, and He paid the penalty for it, so that when we put our faith and trust in Him, we receive forgiveness, and all of those debts that should go against us, that we broke, legally broke, He has taken it out of the way, and He nailed it to the cross. Now, I was in a service one time, I won't name the service, and I was preaching that if the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to wipe out your sin debt, the blood of Jesus is more than able to deal with your financial money debt. Please listen very carefully if you have financial debt. And I was preaching that, giving many examples from the Bible of how God had delivered His people from debt over, I'm talking financial debt, over and over and over again. And then the greatest debt deliverance of all was when Christ dealt, He, he dealt with the, the penalty of the sin debt, and dealt with, and His blood wiped the whole thing out. Praise the Lord. Well, I was preaching this, and the people were blessed, the people were happy. And when I got done, uh, there was just a short little break, uh, only just a couple of minutes, because it was a very large conference, I sat down and, and took my seat on the front row as one of the distinguished guest ministers who was on the small team of speakers in this international conference. 
Well, when I was done, just about a minute later, the next speaker came up, and he was the conference host. And I didn't know this, but he did not take too kindly to my message, although I laid it out with many scriptures of how God has delivered His own people out of debt over and over, many, many times. He got up and really began to endeavor to try to tear apart what I had preached. Now, he didn't have any scripture for it, but he just basically from his own viewpoint and his own way of looking at life really began to come against everything I said. Now, I love this, this minister a whole lot, and he is a true man of God. It's just that this was an area, at least at that time, he did not have knowledge of. And because, because I have strong word of faith background, I know these things very, very clearly are revealed in the Scriptures, but this was still something that obviously he was not walking in the revelation of. And you have to understand that this conference was being it was being broadcast on satellite all over the world. And so it's a very large conference of people that are there. And, you know, all the people that were watching around the world, I mean, it was, it was a lot of people. I don't know if I would say millions, but it probably was because it, it was going on satellite and the satellite was, you know, just, it was going, it was being uplinked live on satellite. And then it was being downloaded all over the world to all the, ne- all these various networks and stations and people were watching all over. And he is in a sense, tearing up what I had just preached, but he didn't stop there. He really he just tried to go after it. So what he did is he did this. At, at the point of trying to prove his point that God doesn't deliver anybody from debt, and he, he was angry. You have to be real careful that uh, you never get into a spirit of anger when you preach, uh, uh, because it's, uh, that's usually when you can do something wrong, say something wrong. But he, he got angry, and he said very loudly, I mean, he thundered it. It was like dropping the hammer. He said, there is no such thing as supernatural debt cancellation. That's what he said. Although it's all in the Bible, that's what he said. And when he said that, everybody in the audience, their eyes went towards me. I could look to the side, and I could just see every eye look towards me, because they, they were just like, they, they knew what I had just preached. And then he comes and says that, and everybody looked at me, and there's a lot of young believers uh, that, uh, how can I say, there were people in the audience that had been Christians for a while, but they did not have revelation in this area. So they looked at me, and maybe like, this guy's some kind of a scam or scoundrel or something like that. And it felt like, it felt like I was being publicly crucified before the world, because not just before, in front of those that were there you know, in front of everybody that's watching all over the world, it felt like I had just been nailed to a cross and crucified, because I can't stand up and say, yes, but the Scriptures say, I couldn't do that. He's up there preaching that the cameras are on him, but that's, that's what it felt like. I felt like I'd been crucified. But as everybody looked at me, and it was like a pause, it's like time for me supernaturally stood still, but then, you know, he keeps on talking, so all eyes kind of like go back on him after he makes that statement, and all eyes go back on him. But for me, I'm still in, the, I'm still in a moment where God came to me, and He supernaturally, it's like He suspended time, and something happened that I don't think anybody in the whole place saw. There's no way they could have seen it. 
but a fly a little bitty fly flew into the meeting and he buzzed around and he came up to me and I could see his little wings and I could see him flying towards me and he came and he landed on my lower lip and he started walking on my lip I mean I could feel his little feet I could look down with my eyes I could see his little wings I could feel his little feet walking on my lip and God Almighty spoke to me and the Holy Spirit said these words what he just said is an unclean statement Woo! and the fly flew away and then it was like back to normal everything was like kind of like back to normal and God did that to reinforce me God did that to strengthen me to let me know that he is a God that cancels debt look the taking away of your sin debt is that not supernatural I, I mean sin is a it's invisible if you are stained with sin you can't see that on somebody I mean if they do something awful maybe you could see the effects of like on their face but really if a person sins they could they could hide that they could smile act like they did. you don't know what they've done in their private life and so sin in many ways the stain of sin is invisible so it takes supernatural power to remove sin so it is supernatural deliverance from sin or the debt of sin well the same thing financially God can deliver his people from debt and he can do it supernaturally so that you're not working overtime working three jobs for the next 30 years trying to dig out of an unfortunate situation that perhaps you got yourself in praise God God's able to supernaturally deliver his people from many things and that especially includes financial debt oftentimes in life when something has been said against me publicly maybe in a sense to try to humiliate or embarrass or something like that and oftentimes it's not done intentionally like I said the prophet who was conducting that conference he's actually a great man of God it's just that this was an area of the word he did not have revelation on and he spoke against it but I have noticed that when things like that have happened in my ministry over the years that God uh, will give me a like a supernatural window to look through I'll hear something or a word will come to me or information will come to me that I'm not looking for I'm just going about my business after something like that happens but I was I was allowed to find out that soon as that conference ended something happened where the host incurred a large debt that he was not expecting that hit suddenly just like that because he had mocked the word that was spoken which was straight from the Bible because he had mocked it publicly before that con conference was over because he had done that it allowed the enemy an opportunity to attack him he was an attack and he was hit with an unexpected debt and I without trying to look into anything because I'm just going about my business I was aware that that had happened and it, it caused behind the scenes you know a sudden like turmoil to incur a large debt like that because something something he wasn't aware of was sprung on him and he couldn't get out of it had to yeah most likely had to pay it Woo! praise the Lord let me tell you today that as you have sown the seed 
the resurrection seed that the Spirit of God assigned you to give. And let me, let me tell you, you guys are amazing. It is absolutely amazing what so many of you have done, because it all makes a difference. And there is no pressure on the giving, and there's still no pressure. All you have to do is just give what the Holy Spirit instructs you to give. With childlike faith, listen for that number, He will give it to you, and you sow it. That's all you have to do. And when you sow it, I am now going to pray over it. And I'm believing that God is going to supernaturally bring you out of debt. I am believing that the 100 fold return anointing will touch your seed and that you're going to see a harvest on that seed. And you need to be expecting it. You need to be expecting God to bring you out of debt supernaturally. I'm not asking you to try to figure out how you're going to do it. I'm not asking you to analyze it and try to figure it out on paper because it may not add up. Or if it does add up, it might not add up until like, it might add up in a sense where you're not going to get out for 30 years. But God's going to do a work. God's going to do a work, and He's going to supernaturally bring you out of debt. Praise God. Hallelujah. And of course, with that deliverance, don't go galloping right back into it. May you be delivered from debt, and may God dissolve any taste for debt that you've ever had. May He absolutely take it away from you, and may you absolutely despise it, and may you see it for the form of captivity that it is. Praise God. I'm not saying that being in debt is sin, but I'm saying that it is certainly not preferred, because if you are in debt, you are a servant, and the Hebrew word is actually a slave to the lender. And God doesn't want you to be a slave to anybody. God wants you totally free so that you can serve Him. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you hauling around a, a ball and chain. He wants to set you completely free. There's an anointing for today. Now, if you have not yet sown your resurrection seed offering so that we can complete the, the fence project, please do so right now. And also bring your offerings, uh, your tithes in as well. Let's honor the Lord today on Passover Resurrection Sunday. Now, let me say this. If you're going to bring it in online, Please bring in your tithes and offerings to stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there anytime, day or night, and you can bring it in. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If this offering is your Passover offering, your Resurrection Sunday offering, if this is for the fence project, please designate that so that we can appropriate that to that specific purpose. Praise God. Now, if you're mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. Now, if the mail comes in, and even though we would be past Resurrection Sunday, I will still lay my hands over your gift and pray for the 100-fold return. But right now, I'm going to pray for everybody where your seed has already come in. We have received your seed, whether it was through the mail or on online, all of those that have already come in. I want to pray for you right now, that God supernaturally bring you out of debt swiftly, that He would expedite it and bring you out of debt. Praise God. And that the hundredfold anointing, the hundredfold return would come back to you. Come back to you, praise God. And I want you to be expecting. Are you ready? Please lift your hands right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that has sowed the seed that you told them to give, Father God, so that we could complete the fence project. Father, this is their resurrection offering. This is their Passover seed. This is when you sowed your best. You gave your son. 
We thank you, O God, they have given their best. And I'm asking, O God, that you would establish a fence around their life. Just as they're sowing into the fence project, that just like you did for Job, you had a fence all around him, and the enemy couldn't touch him. So, Father God, I pray that you establish the fence now of angelic protection, of the blood of Jesus, a supernatural fence all around their lives, around their families, around their children, around their finances, around all that belongs to them, around their health, their minds, their strength. In the name of Jesus, and Father, I speak the 100-fold return turn over their seed now receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ lift your hands and begin to praise God and thank him hallelujah hallelujah we call it done we call it done the 100 fold return we thank you father God for bringing your people out of debt debt canceling anointing supernatural debt canceling anointing receive it now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah praise God praise God amen the Lord is good the Lord is good. Praise the Lord Jesus. Whoa, there's an anointing. There's an anointing. Now, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Oh, just be praising the Lord. Praising the Lord every day. Lord, I thank you for delivering me from debt. I believe it. I receive it. Father, I sowed the seed. I thank you for the fence that's around my life. You know, we've even had some emails where people have said, uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm sowing because I need a real fence also. Well, praise God. Go ahead and get ready to, by faith to build that fence. Praise the Lord. Get it priced out. Find out what type of material you would like to use, whatever the case might be. Hallelujah. And be expecting, be expecting. Faith must have hope working along with it. And what is hope? Hope is expectancy that what you're believing for can come to pass at any moment on any day. Well, God doesn't need anybody's permission to bless you. Hallelujah. God can bless you at two o'clock in the morning. God can get the miracle to you. God's going to do it. So be expecting, be expecting. You don't need a special something other. God can get it to you anytime. Be expecting every day. Today's my day. Today's my day. You're looking for your harvest. Praise God. Just like the farmer looking for his harvest after he's planted. Amen. It's coming. It's coming. Be praising him day and night. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We call it done. All right. Let's jump into today's message, which is titled, Mission Accomplished. Please say that after me. Say, Mission Accomplished. And let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask it as we jump into today's message that the anointing of your spirit would flow, that wisdom would flow, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we thank you, Father God, for help whenever we need it. We thank you for full salvation in Jesus' name. We all agree and say amen. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name 
Jesus. Let's stop there just for a moment. You shall call his name Jesus. Now, we also know that the angel Gabriel also at a different time appeared individually to Mary and told Mary that you're going to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And also, Mary was told that the child will be called Jesus. So we know that his name will be Jesus. And the name Jesus translated basically means Savior. Why don't you say that today? Savior. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, in Acts chapter 4, you could stay here, but in Acts chapter 4, let me read a verse to you. We see that Peter is preaching, and in verse 10, he's speaking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And in verse 11, he told the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the Savior. He is the only Savior. There is no other name. There is no other religious leader. There's no other person. Never has been. There's not now. And there never will be anybody else except Jesus who can be the Savior. No other name. No other name. Praise God. So don't let any deceiver, liar, antichrist spirit tell you that there is some other way some other path, some other name, some other person. There's not. He is the only way. He is the only name. He is the only Savior. Now, it says that he, excuse me, she will bring forth the Son. We're back at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, he will save his people. That was the initial primary focus of the Lord Jesus Christ during his entire earthly ministry. And we see that expressed very clearly in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Let's take a look at that just for a moment. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So this is a woman from Canaan. She is outside of the area that would be the Jewish people's area. She is basically what we would call a Gentile. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, Now, this is amazing. He said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The message, the anointing, the assignment that he's carrying is specifically for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, Unfortunately, this lady is not in that picture. But we know because of her persistent faith and because of her worship, she still got a miracle. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs or the little puppies. The children's bread, what is that? That is the provision, that is the message, that is the blessing, that is the means of deliverance for the Jewish people. And she's not included in that, not at this time. That's not his focus, that's not his assignment. He's aware that she has needs, but that's not on his divine menu. Well, she continues to persist with great faith, reverence, and worship, and she gets a miracle. In a sense, you could say it was out of time. It was a miracle that was not allowed to be fitted into his packed out calendar. But you know what? She got it in anyhow because of her faith and her worship. Praise God. Now, we do know, we do know that this plan of salvation, after it was fully presented to the nation of Israel, fully presented to the Jewish people, and they had it first. We do know that there was a larger plan, and we can see that very clearly, of course, in the Gospel of John, which I'm sure many of you actually have this memorized. Let's take a look at it. John chapter 3, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. Now that's whoever. Now he's going after everybody here. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. And of course, this was a part of the stumbling block for the Jewish people was that they always thought it was just for them. And it's good to know that they were special. But even, even if you really read the Old Testament Scriptures with an open heart, you could see that there is provision and, for me, and a means for outsiders to be able to be brought into the covenant if they met certain conditions. But really the Jews wanted to just keep it for themselves, and they viewed all non-Jewish people as those outside of the covenant, and of course they were outside of the covenant, but they viewed those people outside of the covenant as dogs. Many way they would even view them as like subhuman almost. So these statements were extremely revolutionary that Jesus was saying, especially verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, not just the Jewish people, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now that's the greater vision. That's the greater vision that would begin to be incorporated after the crucifixion, after the mission was accomplished. Crucifixion death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Woo! Hallelujah to the right hand of Almighty Father God. And then we begin to see that the gospel would be sent out into literally all the world. And today we are still working day and night in order to fulfill what is known as the Great Commission. Okay? But at that time, but at that time it was primarily just for the Jewish people. Okay, let's go back to Matthew, our key text today. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All right, now we know that 
we are now in the fullness of the gospel message in the sense where I know I'm speaking to many people that are already born again. You love Jesus, and so you're now in Christ. Paul talked about giving no occasion for offense to the Jew, to the church, or to the Gentiles. So those are really the three categories, Jew, Gentile, church. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess you're not Jewish, then you must be a Gentile. Well, I was before I got saved, but the moment I got saved, I got moved into this other, other category, which is called the church. Woo! Hallelujah. And even though you may not be Jewish, if you are born again, you're no longer a Gentile. You are now in the church. Hallelujah. And the greatest thing, if you really want to wrap it all up and boil it down to the lowest common denominator is, which is revealed in the epistles, the, the writings primarily of the Apostle Paul, is to be in Christ. Those two little words will completely, in totaliation, will completely give you your entire identity, in two words, in Christ. Woo, hallelujah. So at that point, well, it doesn't really matter, you know, Jew, uh, Greek, and when Paul or the New Testament writers talked about, you know, the Greeks, that was also another word picture of in really the entirety of the Gentile, the Gentile world, those outside of Christ or the unbelievers. But I tell you what, the moment you're born again, you are in Christ. You are completely absorbed into Him, and that is the key primary thing. So, let's look at this. For He will save His people, that's you and I, He will save His people from their sins. Let's talk about the word save. He will save. The word save is the word sozo in the Greek. And this is what it means. It's a little word that has a huge meaning, but primarily it means to save. It means to rescue from danger and destruction. This word can mean salvation concerning your spiritual life. In other words, you're, you are spiritually saved. You are born again. Jesus said you must be born again. You are saved from spiritual death. And you are moved from a position of being spiritually dead and having the nature of your old father who was Satan and moved into the newness of life. Well, you are born again, literally in the Greek, recreated on the inside. Your spirit is made brand new and you are now made in the image of God, your father. Praise the Lord. Okay. So it also refers to physical healing. We see that actual word mentioned when Jesus at times would heal the sick. We see the word sozo mentioned there, and that was physical healing. We also see at times when there was deliverance from demons, also the word sozo would be used there at times. So we can understand that it means deliverance from sin, also deliverance from demons, deliverance from sickness and disease. But it has a very deep meaning as well to have the ability to keep you safe and sound. Praise the Lord. Now, when I grew up in church, we were in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, in any special type meeting, we'd be there too. And we, we loved the Lord, but I grew up, how can I say, religious. I knew things about God. I knew information about God. I knew the information about the Bible, but I was not technically saved or born again until I was a senior in high school. I got saved at a summer youth camp. 
I gave my heart to Christ and it was at that time I knew that I knew that I had been born again and when it happened I literally felt maybe you've heard this said before I felt like 2,000 pounds came off my shoulders and I knew that was the old man the old Stephen Brooks has died and the new Stephen Brooks inwardly has been recreated I knew I was new on the inside the moment I gave my heart to Jesus boom he recreated my spirit I was born again and I felt so happy I felt so free I felt I felt well, felt born again praise God and it's wonderful but here's what kind of was the norm for our religious uh, practice if I could use that expression almost every Sunday in the church that I grew up in, even if you were saved, and I got saved in high school as a senior, but even after that, it's like we didn't know what to do with our salvation. We always focused on get born again, but then once you were born again, we didn't really know what it was all about. We knew we were going to heaven, and we, need, we knew that we needed to live for God, but we didn't really know that salvation was not just a one-time event that the Lord is able to continually save you. Oh, you don't need to be born again over and over. That's, that's once and done. But there is a continual walking with God where that salvation process, that salvation experience is worked out in your life. Praise God. I was spending today, today with the Lord in prayer getting up early, spending time with God. And the Holy Spirit brought back to my memory an event after my salvation, years after my salvation. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and, uh, you know, was, you know, enjoying the Pentecostal experience, the charismatic gifts and things like that. But I was working a job with uh, a couple of guys, they, they weren't saved. It was the CEO and the CFO. And I, w- I was having to be around them often because of my work. And one time, we decided to go out to the area uh, of the desert area of Nevada. And uh, because this was a motorhome company, uh, and there was motorhomes all over the lot, and, you know, you know, working for the company directly, we could just take any motorhome we wanted. So we literally just grabbed one, and the CEO said, let's just grab this one. We loaded it up with our stuff, and within 30 minutes, we're on the road, driving out to the beautiful desert, the high desert of Nevada. Well, we got out there and had a wonderful time, and just, you know, kind of enjoying Mother Nature and the, and the beauty. And, you know, um, I just decided I wanted to go take a hike. And they said, yeah, Stephen, go take a hike, and, you know, we'll catch up with you later. And uh, I said, yeah, great. Okay. I, sa- I said, I'll see you guys later. So I told my two friends goodbye. And uh, I started off on my hike. And, you know, we're all kind of young. I was still in my 20s. I had just met Kelly before I had left to go on this, this business relaxation trip. And my two friends, they were um, in their early 30s. Okay. So I, I start off on my hike. And I've always been quite adventurous. Uh, that kind of runs in the family with my brothers to same, and so I go off on this hike and um, really got in over my head. This is desert area. There was a high plateau. Of course, I wanted to get to the top of the plateau, and I start my journey and eventually get up there. By the time I got up there, though, it was getting real, real hot. I'm talking, it probably got up to about 
maybe 130, maybe even more. And I was beginning to sweat like you wouldn't believe. And uh, there was no shade anywhere. And then I got disoriented and I couldn't find the trail back that I had come up on because everything starts looking the same. The color's the same. And, uh, you know, it was a real steep incline and I, I couldn't find it. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll just find another way down. Easier said than done, because this was a very remote area to begin with, and this was before cell phones, and this was really before GPS, and so I'm out there just trying to figure this out, and it really went from bad to worse. And the more I tried to find a way down, the more I, I you know, it was just all of these extremely dangerous Areas, you know, where, you know, uh, rocks would fall and dirt would give way and it was very hard to get down. So I finally decided it's getting so blistering hot that I've got to, I've got to just go for it. So I started climbing and descending this one very dangerous area. It's kind of funny now when I think about it, look back on it, but it wasn't funny when I was in the middle of it. But I knew I was really getting in trouble when, after being in this situation for hours and hours and hours, uh, I stopped sweating. My body couldn't sweat anymore. And I know that's extremely dangerous. And I couldn't, I couldn't cool myself. And so I said, Lord, this is really, um, I, I, I'm in trouble. I'm really, I'm, I could die out here. And if I die, nobody's ever going to find me. And, and actually on my descent down, I actually found a secret, what you would call cleft in the rock. It, it wasn't a cave, but it was like an opening. You could never find it or see it unless you were right going right past it. And I was able to go in that area just for a moment and get just a tiny bit of an escape from the blasting sunlight coming down on me. There, uh, a large animal, I wasn't sure what kind of animal it was, but the skull was there and it had died. I guess, you know, these, uh, big majestic mountain goats they they were they know all these secret places well one of them had gone in there and had i guess just lived this life out and that's where it decided to die and the, the you know the giant horns were there and i thought this is amazing but i thought i don't want to die here because there's no way anybody would ever find me nor him you know in a place like this so i said lord i've got to keep on going but i said lord i need you to save me oh pastor Stephen. though you were saved as a senior in high school uh, yes i know that i don't need to be born again again but i do need some salvation right now i, I said lord I need you to save me. I need some sozo. I need, Lord, to be kept safe and sound. And I'm not in a place right now where I'm safe and sound. And, Lord, I'm in serious trouble. Well, somehow, by the grace of God, I got down that crazy mountain uh, slope and got down to the bottom where it connected. And I couldn't even see this on my way down because it was so, so crazy. But when I got to down to the bottom, I was trapped because the Colorado River was flowing right by it. And because, you know, it's dammed up by the Hoover Dam, uh, it's very, very cold water. It is very clear and is extremely deep. And I thought, Lord, I, I can't swim across this. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Now I'm stuck on this little bitty ledge that only extended out from a vertical drop off. It, it only extended out about five feet. And I can move to the left or right about five feet. And that was it. I was trapped on this ledge with nowhere to go. But I can at least extend my hands into the water and splash water in my face start splashing water over my head because I was extremely overheated and I was drinking water and I was trying to get myself cooled off because the water was extremely cold and I sat there for a little bit and I thought Lord I'm trapped in the middle of nowhere 
I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? I said, I need you to save me. Lord, I really need your salvation. See, he went to the cross for you and I, and he came out of that tomb, resurrected for us so that we can have salvation. I'm talking today, my friends, not about some kind of half, half-baked salvation. I'm telling you today, no matter what you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, Jesus has full, F-U-L-L, full salvation for you. You may be in a mess. I'm, I want to tell you, Jesus is a specialist. He can work miracles, and sometimes you need it. He can work miracles to get you out of any mess, any trouble, and people may look at it and write you off and say the person's as good as dead, write them off, but I'm telling you, God can get you out of anything. Jesus is the miracle worker. He's able to save you. And so there, on that ledge, still overheated because I can't, I still can't get myself cool. I'm still getting blasted by the full force of the sun. I suddenly heard laughter. I heard talking and laughter. And see, I'm in a remote canyon that's, you know, twisting and I can't even see what's, you know, which way the river is going. But would you believe coming around the corner of the canyon, floating on the river in kayaks, was my two friends? For some reason, they had decided to go kayaking. I wonder why they decided to do that. I believe God sent them an angel, because I know what they were doing. They had uh, the CEO of the company, he, was, he had gotten a new handgun. And so they were, they were just doing target practice, and they were really into that. that uh, and I've seen them get caught up in that before. That's something they could just do for hours. For some reason, they, they just put their gun away and... Uh, and stop doing what they were normally doing, which sometimes was things that weren't good, just like, you know, drinking and, you know, just getting over into a place where they were inebriated. But, and, uh, you know, normally they wouldn't do that if I was around. But if I was not around, they might do something like that. But something had inspired them to go get kayaks and start kayaking down this rural, remote area of the Colorado River. And I know that was God, and that God sent the angels for them to because they didn't, we didn't bring kayaks. They would have to go on and rent rent those and lease those, and then take them somewhere and uh, you know in a you know and somehow put them in the in the area of the water that was far away from where the rental place was, and just start kayaking. And they came around that bend in the river in this steep canyon. And uh, they were, had been talking to each other so I could hear them. And they saw me sitting there on that ledge. And they said, Stephen. They were, they were just stunned. They, they, they didn't. Uh, it just totally caught them off guard. They said, what are you doing here? I said, hey. I said, uh, it's nice to see you guys. Uh, I could use a lift. And um, it was one of those uh, for old timers. We're not that we're old timers. But I would call it a Kodak moment that I know that when I go to heaven, there will be a picture of that because God saved me. And because they had kayaks and what I, what I did, I said, look, you guys just start going out into the water and uh, you know, cause the kayaks were only made for one person. But I said, just pull me through the water. And I was able to get my entire body into the water, get all the way up to my neck in that cold, cold water. And it felt so good. And they pulled me for about, uh, I, I don't know how long it took, maybe 25 or 30 minutes to get back to where they had put the kayaks into the water at. Uh, it was just absolutely the most amazing experience. And they said, uh, Stephen, 
did you have an encounter out there with God? I said, I said yes, I did, but it wasn't the kind that I ever wanted to have, to have again. I said, I had quite a few talks with the Lord out there. And um, uh, I, I pray that all the seeds I was able to sow into their heart, seeds of the Word of God, at some point in their life, produced a harvest of salvation in their lives. Praise God. But that was a moment where God saved me when it looked like I was dead and there was no way out. God saved me. And this is what you need to know. This is what I didn't know growing up in church, that this salvation is ongoing. See, we thought God saved you. Praise God. You're born again. Your sins are washed away. Now that's it. Now just hold on till God gets us out of here until we die. I had no idea that Sozo was ongoing. That God can save you. God can do all kinds of things to deliver you. Uh, no matter what you might find yourself in, God is still saving His people. Can you shout amen today? Praise God. Praise God. Mm -mm. And I really believe, I believe that the greatest thing that God still exercises sozo power, salvation power in your life, is the sozo salvation power of God to keep you as a child of God clean in a dirty world, in a dirty world where there's sin all around us. You know, it's good to ask the question, what is it really that you want in life? What is it that you want when it's, when it, you know, you just kind of get along with God, what do you really want? Well, Pastor Stephen, you're a minister. You probably want a worldwide television ministry. Praise God. Well, I, I do want to reach the world with television and internet and things like that, but that's not really the thing that kind of like drives me. That's, that's not it. Oh, oh, I know what it is, Pastor Stephen. You believe in God for a jet, and when you get that, you'll you really be shouting and hollering. Well, yes, we are believing the Lord for a hangar. We're, we're believing the Lord for a ministry aircraft, a jet, but that's not the thing really that kind of like makes me tick on the inside, really. That's not, the, that's not really the engine that's driving me. There are things that excite me. There are things that I, that I like, but that's not the thing that drives me. Pastor Stephen, I know what it is for you. You want to be a man of miracles and signs and wonders. Woo! Show us the power, Pastor Stephen. Well, yes, while I believe God for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in my life and the work of my life to minister to people, that's, that's still not the thing for me that is the deep motivator. You know what it is? It's to be holy. It's to be the same person off camera that I am appearing before you on camera, that I be genuine, that I be real, that the messages I preach, I'm not just preaching them to you, I'm preaching them to myself as well, and I'm endeavoring to live what I proclaim. Praise God. So my greatest driver, my greatest thing is that I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to be holy. Praise God. And we can all have different things that excite us, that, that, uh, that give, uh, you know, like motivation, you know, the assignment, the calling, and things like that. But really, you want to be right with God. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You don't want to present a front or present an image that is not accurate so that when you get to heaven, the Lord says, hey, you're good on this. Well, we're going to have to talk about and weigh into the judgment, uh, uh, you know, these other areas, your secret areas of your life, that you, you, you never really fix those areas. Praise God. 
My friends, those are the things that we want to have all ironed out. Praise God. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, referring to Christ, that he might present her, that's the church, to himself, a glorious church. That's you, a glorious church, not a defeated church, a glorious church. I do not believe in a defeated church theology. I cannot find that anywhere in the Bible. I cannot find that in scripture where we go out defeated, banged up, bruised up, messed up, but just hoping somehow to go up. I do not see that. I see a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle, not having these issues that we just choose to live with and say, well, everybody else is doing it. You know, you know, people lie, others lie in the church, others are unethical, you know, others, you know, watch things that, you know, whatever, you're questionable. No, no, we want to be a part of the glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, that's the church, you and I, should be holy and without blemish. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm, thank you, Jesus. See, it says that she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from what? From their sins. He's still doing it. You don't have to live dirty. Well, Pastor Stephen, you know that old devil, he tickling me. He made me give into it again. No, 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 no. Jesus came to save you from your sins. Yes, he did. And I gave my life to Jesus. No, he, we understand that but he, he's still saving. He's still saving you. When you get with temptation and you can feel that you can feel the temptation. That's the time you realize he saved me from my sins right now, right now. I don't have to give into this. He not only washed all my sins away when I gave my life to him and received what he did for me at Calvary, but he's doing it right now. That power to overcome sin is in operation right now. Jesus, I've received sozo power. I've received your salvation right now over these temptations, over these things that would not glorify you. Mm. See, do you catch it? The revelation, he's still saving. He can save your life physically. He can save you from temptation. He can save you from getting on an airplane that he knows has a mechanical problem that's not, you're not supposed to be on that plane. It, it could be deadly or it could be just a great delay in your time. But it, he's able to save you from anything, anything. See, the, the, the word sozo, again, it means full salvation to save, to rescue from danger and destruction, physical healing, deliverance from, uh, from all forms of uh, demons. It means full salvation, but it means to keep safe and sound. This is an ongoing, perpetual, continual act of the salvation of God in your life. Do you need salvation? right now praise God maybe you need salvation in your finances maybe you're you know you're born again you love Jesus but you need some salvation in your finances praise the Lord Psalm 68 verse 6 he brings out those who are bound into prosperity what is that salvation that's salvation. That's what God wants to do for you, and nothing less than that. That's what He wants to do for your finances. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 21. God, speaking to Moses, said, And I will give this people favor 
in the sight of the Egyptians. Wait a minute. Favor in the sight of the Egyptians? The Egyptians looked at the Israelites as their slaves. They looked at them like they're just lower than a dog, like an old mangy dog. That's what they looked at them and considered them to be. They considered them slaves with no rights, no voice, and they had absolutely no compassion on them at all. They looked completely down on them. They were slaves, and they were happy to keep them there. So how in the world can a slave who's treated in such a derogatory means of degradation, how can, how can suddenly you have favor? How can you suddenly have favor? God supernatural miracle working favor. Now watch this. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Hallelujah. Praise God. They were in debt. The Israelites were in debt. They were slaves in great debtedness to the Egyptians, and it was impossible for them to get out. But God got them out, and God gave them supernatural favor, and God's going to get you out of debt also. Look, if God can get three million slaves out of debt, and when He did it, He did it in one night. God can get you out of debt in one night. He's done it before. He did it for an entire group of people. He did it for three million people at one time. It's no problem for God to get you out of debt at all. He can do it in one night. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It is time for miracles, and it is time for miracle testimonies. Praise the Lord. And we know in Exodus chapter 12 that God did what He said He was going to do. Verse 36, and the Lord had given the people favor. Again, that's just, don't fly over that. That's unexplainable favor. That, uh, these are slaves that are somehow getting favor with the former masters. Okay? And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Absolutely, total supernatural deliverance from debt, and those that they were enslaved to. Praise God. God's going to get you out of debt. Believe Him for it. Use your faith for it. Expect it. You've sown miracle seed. Expect a miracle harvest. Praise God. God's going to do it. And when He does it, don't ever touch it again. Get on His system. Don't go back into Egypt. Don't play with the Egyptian system. Stay out of debt. There are things that are coming. God wants you to be free from the shakings that are coming in the economic system that will be greater than what we saw with the coronavirus shaking. But God's going to put you in a place of such strength that when, form, that when future shakings come, you will be in such a position of strength, you will be able to capitalize on certain things that you're supposed to acquire, because prices will plummet, and you will be able to buy it at the lowest, 
and you will be able to have that great opportunity. Plus, you will be protected. You will be safe. There will be a financial fence of protection around you as well. You will be walking in the wisdom of the Word, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, helping you to make right decisions. Praise the Lord. If God can bring three million people out of debt, remember, He did it quickly. He did it quickly. They ate the Passover meal quickly. Why? They were leaving that night. What if by tomorrow morning you were debt free? God can do it. Praise God. Release your faith. Believe God for big things because this is the time for big, big miracles. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That was his assignment. Mission accomplished. He got it done. And it's very important that you stay on assignment. Don't let things derail you from your assignment. That's why you need that help of salvation. God will save you over and over from situations that could derail your assignment from being accomplished. He will help you trust in Him. If you need that help, ask Him for it. He will always supply it. I remember one time I had a conference scheduled in Uganda. Kelly and I, this was going to be our first international trip. And uh, this was in the 1990s, about the, um, the mid, the, the latter part of the 90s. And I remember that I was only about 12 days out from the trip. And uh, I had a little free time one day. So I went to the park to play some basketball. And, you know, I've got this big international conference coming up. The tickets are all paid for, airfares booked, the, uh, all the flyers are being sent all over this, you know, the area. People are going to be there. It's going to be a big meeting. We're, we're praying and been expecting God to do miracles. So I'm about 12 days out from, you know, getting on the plane to fly over there. And so I went to go play a little basketball. I had some free time one day. And when I went to the park, there's nobody there. But at the, at the basketball goal, uh, somebody, I guess they had hung on it or been, you know, slam dunking on it real hard. Somebody had bent the basketball goal down a little bit. So it was not quite as high as it normally was. And I thought, Ooh, that's kind of cool. That way I can, I can dunk on it. Cause I can't dunk on the 10 foot, but if it's kind of bent down some then I could, I could probably do that. So uh, I was having a lot of fun that day. Just, you know, and I could tell that because it had been bent down that the the whole apparatus was kind of shaky. Well, that was kind of fun because the shakier it was, the kind of more it would droop down and I could, I could do my slam dunk thing and pretend I was in the NBA. Okay. Well, uh, I thought before I leave, you know, I kind of had some fun playing around, played, you know, did that for like 30 minutes. And I thought before I leave, I'm, I'm going to do one more, one more power dunk. And I took the basketball, I went up to it and I jumped high as I could, strong as I could, and slammed the ball as hard as I could, and hung on the rim, and when I did that, the entire backboard snapped, and it popped off the supporting pole, and the whole thing came down on me. My feet swung out underneath me, and I'm falling all the way down, and land on my back on the concrete, and the entire backboard collapses on top, because I never let go of it. It just, it just came down on top of me knocked the wind completely out of me, and I laid there, and I heard a voice 
began to speak to me. It was an angel, and he was uh, he was talking to me telepathically. Uh, when you're in the spirit, you don't even need to move your mouth. Sometimes you don't even need to see the angel, but they can talk and go straight into your mind. And the angel spoke to me and said. Uh, it, it was uh, kind of funny now again, but it wasn't funny at the time. He said, you really should be more careful. He said, who would go in your place if something happened to you? And he said some things to me that really kind of said, you need to protect the anointing. You need to stay on assignment and not let even things like this do things that would cause you to really mess up God's plan for your life. And so that was a moment in life where I realized don't take risk. Don't do certain things, especially when big things are on are looming, because that's also when the enemy would try to do something silly, such as, you know, a, an entire backboard snapping off that's well that snaps off, falls on you, something like that. So, yeah, I, I'm a lot more careful now. Why? You have an assignment and you, you need to stay on your mission. And your mission really needs to be very clearly defined. What was the Lord's mission? He will save His people from their sins. And He accomplished it. And your mission also needs to be very well defined. Preferably something that you could define. You could define your mission in one sentence. Not a paragraph. Not a book. One sentence. What was His? He will save His people from their sins. And put all of your energy, put all of your focus towards that, and you're going to get it done. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there will probably will be some savings along the way, some salvation moments. Not, not talking about being born again. Talking about just God helping you, stepping in with miracles like, God help. Whew, praise the Lord. He will. We're learning as we go, and the grace is there as we need it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Wherever you're at today, Jesus is still saving. He's still saving from sin. He's still saving from wrong decisions. He's still saving from messes that we could get ourselves into. He is still saving. That salvation is still just as strong today as it was the moment you gave your heart to Jesus. It's still just as strong today as it was the moment He came out of that grave, raised from the dead. Praise God. Do you need some salvation right now? Lift your hands right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that need help in certain areas. Maybe you're sick. Maybe they're sick. Yes, Father. And the doctors, the doctors just, they either can only treat it, or they could just, you know, say you have to live with this, or it may even be terminal. But Father God, we thank you that Jesus is a saving God. His name means Savior. So right now, I'm asking Lord Jesus that you would go into the life of that person on Resurrection Sunday, and that you would minister right now that anointing that's needed for healing, for deliverance from demons, from deliverance from bondage, from, uh, from uh, deliverance from addictions that would grip you like a vice. May they be broken now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go free now. Hallelujah. Those that are in debt, Lord Jesus, set them free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have seen their seeds that have been sown sacrificially. 
I ask that you bring them out, and I thank, the, I thank you that you're going to. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, anything that your people would be trapped in, through the power of the Lord Jesus, let them be lifted up right now. We thank you that it is their coming out moment. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. By faith, we call it done in the name of Jesus. Now, it's important. Take it by faith. Take it by faith. Hallelujah. And your sight will be seen concerning the thing that you're believing for. You'll see it. Hallelujah. But believe right now. Take it by faith right now. Right now, maybe sight unseen. But believe, and your sight will be made seen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's get ready to take communion on Resurrection Sunday. If you're watching today's program and you think, Pastor Stephen, I need the full salvation. I'm, I'm not even saved. I don't know Jesus. But you want to know Him? Right now, pray this prayer out loud after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Jesus, I'm mindful of the many times you have spared my life. When I should have died, you spared my life, and I'm here alive today. So save me, Lord Jesus, right now. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. And my friend, he's done it. He has done it. Give him praise. Shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't it true that if you look back over your life, you'll, you'll recognize times where God bailed you out, God saved you. The car wreck that could have taken you out, God saved you. The, the drug that you could have overdosed on, God saved you. The time you were in a hospital and you could have died, God saved you. Praise the Lord. Now that He has done that, may the assignment, the mission that He's got you on, may it be accomplished. Praise the Lord, and I believe that it will. All right. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. If you don't have, you know, traditional unleavened bread, just get a cracker. Praise the Lord. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless the bread, the juice, we set this apart and consecrate it as holy. And we thank you that this is the body and the blood of our precious Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Father. No sweeter name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No sweeter name. So, Father God, thank you for his body. We receive it with great thanksgiving. And we thank you that he is alive today and that he's still saving us. Thank you, O oh God, for that salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, that he is alive forevermore, living big in us. Thank you, O oh God. We thank you, Father, for saving us from sin through your mighty salvation power of your Son. 
Thank you, Father God, for strength to live clean in a dirty world. Thank you, Jesus, for those moments when we, we may feel weak or we may be tempted. We thank you that there is salvation available. There is salvation available, Sa saving grace available. We receive it by faith. Thank you, O oh God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's partake. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. Praise God. My friends, thank you for joining me today on Passover, Resurrection, Easter Sunday. It's been a real joy. And I believe that as we go into this week, as we go through this month, we are in a time of great miracles. Be expecting, be anticipating, and God is going to do it for you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed. <laughs>